Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Jesus instructs us to watch and pray. This means to be alert and watch for the signs he has foretold. The signs warn us of the dangers ahead so we can be prepared and exercise caution. As we see the signs happening, we know that Jesus' return is soon. Three of Cheryl's message titled Divine Opportunist. And those who were about to enter Jerusalem left and they fled to Pella because they remembered Jesus' words and Jesus' instructions. Now, in 70 AD, when Titus leveled Jerusalem, he destroyed the temple. And what happened is one of the zealots, they set the temple on fire. And what happened is the gold on the roof melted down between the stones. And because the Roman soldiers were mercenaries, they only were paid by what they got from the city they destroyed. That's how they were paid. That's how they got their bonuses. They literally tumbled every stone. We don't know by what means, but they made sure that no stone was on another so they could get every bit of gold that was between the stones. This is what Jesus called in verse 23 and 24, the day of vengeance, when the scripture was fulfilled. Jerusalem was then under the control of the Gentiles until 1967. But even now, Israel does not have full control or jurisdiction over Jerusalem. Did you realize that the Temple Mount in Jerusalem belongs to the nation of Jordan? Did you know that? It's not Palestinian, it's Jordanian. And the king of Jordan has complete say over what is allowed and not allowed on the Temple Mount. So what is the time of the Gentiles that Jesus said? It's the time when God is offering salvation by faith in Jesus Christ to Jew and Gentile alike. It's when the Jew who wants salvation must come as a Gentile must come by faith in God's son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It is an individual call. What we're talking about in the end times that will come during the tribulation is a national call. But even the national call will require that the Jews recognize as a nation, Jesus as their Messiah. But when this time is fulfilled and the last Gentile has come to faith, then the time of the Gentiles will be over. This is a time of of tribulation when Jerusalem for seven years will be in a complete upheaval until according to Daniel chapter 12, 
the power of the Jews or the Jewish pride will be shattered and they'll be ready to receive their Messiah. When we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. There will be no peace in Jerusalem until the Prince of Peace rules over Jerusalem. But that is to be our ultimate prayer, our ultimate hope. Now, we must rely on Jesus' word to understand the time we live in, to understand the brevity of time, you know, what the time of the Gentiles is, how long it's going to last, and to take advantage of every evangelical opportunity to get the gospel out. On our anniversary last year, Brian and I had gone out to um, dinner together, to Burger Lounge. We go big or go home for anniversaries. And as we were, um, you know, Brian had gone to the restroom and I was about to take a seat and this woman who I'd never seen before said, what are you doing about the transgender bathroom situation? And all of a sudden I felt totally responsible for it. You know, like, oh, wow, what am I doing? Literally, we had just returned from a trip to Israel. This was our first day back and we just found out about it. And she just was, you know, so upset with me. I mean, literally angry. She was shaking and she was raising her voice to me. And I looked at her and I said, we're trying to get the gospel out to as many people as possible because until the heart of man changes, the behavior won't. We can deal with the symptoms But if we're not getting to the heart of the issue, which is inside of us, nothing's going to change. And she just looked at me. She said, well, what about today? I said, today I'm praying and I'm trying to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. And obviously she didn't like my answer because Brian was coming up right then. And she turned and she marched up to him and said, what are you doing about the transgender situation in the public schools? Who have you talked about to? Who have you written a letter to? And Brian goes, I've been praying and I'm seeking to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. I thought, good answer. Good answer. You see, you know, unless we're relying fully on Jesus, we're going to be fighting the symptoms instead of the disease. We've got to get to the cause, to the root of the issue. And that's that this world needs Jesus Christ. There is so much confusion in this world as never before. Don't you think confusion comes when you tell children that they're, they can be whatever they want to be, but they were predetermined to be what they are? Am I determined or am I predetermined? Did I come from ooze? Am I, is my father an ape? I mean, when you're telling children that they have no purpose, that they have no significance, no wonder they're confused, saying, what am I, who am I? But when you tell children, you are a creation of an almighty, all-loving God. And when you walked away, when you sinned, when you didn't want him, he still wanted you. And he made provision for all your sins to forgive you and cover you and bring you back into his purposes and back into his glory because he is such a great God of love. And he created you with beauty. He created you with complexity. He created you with personality and all that you are is amazing because an amazing God made you. Brian and I were, and I might've told you this story before. I forget who I told what to. I even repeat 
Brian's messages to Brian. And he goes, you heard that Sunday morning. I'm like, yes, but where? It's like at church when I said it from the pulpit. No wonder I liked it. But we were um, watching Braden play tennis in a game. And these three children were saying the worst, most abominable things, gross words, gross things to each other. And I just got sick of it. I mean, I was so mad. And I turned and I just stared at him. I gave him that stare too. You know, where you have to kind of get your head just, I'm looking at you. And this one girl, she looked at me and she goes, what's the matter with you? And I said, what do you think's the matter with me? And she goes, everybody talks like that. I said, how did you know? It was the way you talked. Unless you're feeling not so good about the way you talk. And then she said this, this is the way my mother talks to me. And I said to her, I said, honey, if I was your mother, I would never talk to you like that. If I was your mother, I would tell you how beautiful you are. I would tell you that you are worth more than that type of language. And that just lessens from your beauty, from your intelligence, from your personality. That's what I would tell you. And she looked at me and she goes, you would? I said, absolutely. And then I looked at the boy and I said, do you know what I would tell you if I was your mother? I would tell you that you've got talent and these things are going to distract you and only pull away from all that God created you to be. And the other girl goes, and what would you tell me? (laughs) And then Brian entered the situation and he started talking to them about as a father, what he would say to them. Those kids walked away and 20 minutes they came back and they said, can we talk to you some more? And it all started because I gave him that stare. You know, is it any wonder they're confused? You see, you can tell this generation who they are. You're a child of God. You're a creation. I don't care what you've heard in school because it's never set right with you. You're confused and your confusion is from the devil. But you've got a God of peace and of wisdom who will speak into your life. So, finally, we are to watch and pray. Watch. This word is agripneo. It means to be alert. Don't fall asleep. Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray. They were to look for the signs he had foretold. It is so important to be alert when you're driving and pay attention to the signs. Have you ever missed your turn because you got to talking with your friends? Or you got to thinking about something so you missed your turn? Pay attention to the signs. The signs warn you about dangers up ahead or where to turn. They help us to exercise caution, to be prepared to make a right turn or a left turn, to know when to slow down, to know when to swerve, to be prepared of of rocks. Signs include watch out for falling rocks, curves ahead, roads can be icy, strong winds, or the road narrows. To ignore these signs is hazardous, to say the least. We are to stay alert at the wheel, reading the signs and adjusting our lives accordingly. We are not to be taken by surprise by the signs in the sun, the signs in the moon and stars, the distress of nations, or oceanic tidal waves and flooding. When others complain, about what's going on, it's the time to say the Bible predicted all of this. The Bible already spoke about this. 
If you don't read the signs, you can't blame the road for your wreck, the wreckage of your life, if you don't pay attention to the signs. We are to look at these signs and know that Jesus' return is soon, so soon. We are almost at our destiny. We are not to fall asleep. We're not to be unaware. There are things that put us to sleep that make us numb so we don't feel. Hearts weighed down, depression, carousing, drunkenness. These are the ways that the world numbs themselves to what is going on, the cares of this life. These are the things that will put us asleep at the wheel. There are certain signs that Brian and I look for when we drive up to Santa Rosa to see our grandkids. It's a seven-hour drive, and we look for Anderson's split pea soup in Santanella because that means our destination is only 100 miles away. We look for the wind turbines on the hills. We look for the Richmond Bridge because that means it's only 50 miles. In the same way that fig leaves tell us that the winter is almost over, that the daffodils tell us that spring is here. So these signs that Jesus has given us tell us that our destination, his coming, the time when we will see the son of man coming in the cloud with power and great glory, verse 27, is so close. You see, Jesus says, when you begin, begin. When you see the first signs, commotions and wars, when you see pestilence, when you see famines, when you hear about earthquakes, when you hear about tsunamis, when you hear about nations that are in distress and perplexity with no way out, when you hear about these things, just begin to hear. When it just starts, that's the time to look up. That's the time to start praying like you've never prayed before. To watch for the signs and use it. This is the opportunity to to pray. Because your redemption draws near. We are close. We are so, so close. Our full redemption when everything will be put right by our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No more hanging our heads, but our heads lift up. They're exalted. They're excited. They are looking up. You know, you look up when you anticipate something wonderful about to happen. So you, likewise, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. This generation will by no means pass away till all things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. In Psalm twenty-two thirty, the King James Version says, a posterity will serve him. It will be counted as a generation. So when we talk about a generation, some people want to go to 1967, add 40 years or 70 years, because there's all this, like, is a generation 40 years? Is it 70 years? Does it start in 1948? Does it start in 1967? Does it start, you know, in 1974 with the Yom Kippur War? When does the generation begin? Well, there are also commentators that say the generation is the generation that believes in the Lord, that we serve as a generation, that those who believe in Jesus will see all these things come to pass because they're looking, because they're watching for the signs. They'll see it all happening. 
Others, again, say that these are the beginning. Those who see the beginning, you could go 40 years, you can go 70 years, and they'll see it all. I don't know, but I know this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but everything that Jesus said will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. So we are to take advantage of these things by praying. I've noticed that trials, tragedy, and difficulty open up people to prayer as never before. I went to an exercise class. One of the women came in really dejected, said, my husband has just been diagnosed with cancer. I began to pray for her husband. I said, what's his name? She told me. And I said, I love to pray. Would you mind if I started praying for your husband? And she said, I I would really like that. I'm not religious, but I would really, really like that. I'm desperate. And so what she started doing, in fact, she started going back to church. And every um, time we would meet at exercise class, she would give me a specific prayer request that she wanted me to pray for. She would wait for me to enter the door of that exercise class. And she would say, you know how I asked you to pray? Well, this is how God answered that prayer. Thank you for praying. She began to rely on those prayers. She said, I felt, were you praying that I'd be comforted? I said, yeah. She goes, I was. Yeah, were you praying that I wouldn't be afraid when I heard bad news? Well, yeah, I was. I mean, it was uncanny the way that the Lord worked in that. I've never met anyone that I said, would you mind if I prayed for you? You know, in my own private prayer time. And they said, I've never had anyone say, no, I'd rather you not. I've had people, their eyes open really big, like, you're not going to do that right now, are you? I'm like, no, I've got a closet. I've got a prayer place. But we are not only to watch, but we are to pray. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. So we are to watch, to be alert, to not be overcome by the sleep agents of the world, the flesh and the devil, so that this will not come as a snare, but as a blessing. We are to pray always, without ceasing, always be in a state of of prayer, We are to pray to be counted worthy. How are we counted worthy? To be found in Christ, as Paul says in Philippians 3, that I might be found in him. You know, if you're looking for Jesus, I mean, if you're looking for Cheryl, you have to look into Jesus. To be so found in him, the worthy one, then to escape these things. Now, if the rapture wasn't real, why would Jesus say that we're supposed to pray to escape you know, I so believe in the rapture. I know my dad believed in the rapture, but I feel like the Lord took him up ahead so he'd say, welcome Calvary Chapel. <laughs> when, when the skies roll back and the trump of God sounds and Jesus is there and we are caught up in the air to be with him, that's the rapture. Now, when he comes again to establish his kingdom, we're coming back with him as he's on that white steed and we're following with him to rule and reign with him on the earth. But I definitely, absolutely, Brian and I believe in the rapture. In fact, Brian wrote a book about the rapture, the church and the rapture. Okay, I know I'm going off, but you know what? There's so many lies going on right now about Brian and I. And sometimes I get really sick of the lies. I just get sick of them because I know every lie is from the pit of hell, okay? And we serve the spirit of truth. I believe in the rapture. I believe Jesus is coming and it could happen at any moment. 
and I want to be ready to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. So you better believe that when I pray, I say, Lord, let me be found in you that I might escape these things that are going to happen on the earth and be seated with you in heaven. May I be there when the Lamb of God takes the scroll from the throne of God and looses the seals thereof. May I be counted worthy to sing with that great crowd of heaven. Blessed be the Lamb who was slain and has redeemed us from every tribe, kindred, and tongue. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. I want to sing in that congregation because I will be able to sing in that congregation. And yes, I believe in the rapture or else he wouldn't tell us years ago. I remember Brian had this friend who didn't believe in the rapture. And I was giving him all these proofs for the rapture. And Brian just opened to Luke chapter 21 and said, why would Jesus tell us to pray to escape these things if he wanted us to live through these things? Why would he ask us to escape? Why would he say that? To the church of Philadelphia, Jesus says, I will keep you because you have kept my word. I will keep you from the hour that is to try the world. I want to be kept from that hour. You know, I never pray for trouble, ever. And Jesus said, we are to pray that we might escape these things. Not to go through the tribulation where God's wrath against sin is poured out, but to be in Christ who already suffered the wrath of God for us. Either Jesus paid for your sins or you will begin the payment of your sins during the tribulation. And then he says to stand before the Son of God or the Son of Man. Where are we going? When we escape, where's our escape to? Our escape is to the presence of the Son of Man who loved us and gave his life for us. Jesus' presence is the only escape from these things that will come to pass. They are certain, they are sure, and the only escape is to be found in him and standing before him. There is no other place of safety but in Jesus Christ. No security in people, deception, and betrayal. No security in foundations or buildings or institutions. No security in nature, nations, No security in nations because there will be wars, distress, calamity. No security in nature because there will be famine, pestilence, earthquakes, fearful sights, mountains moving, water, um, and the oceans in tumult. No way of escape but Jesus. So we are to be, in closing, divine opportunists. Jesus is our example. Think about when he is saying this. In Luke chapter 21, his hour of trial is fast approaching, verses 37 and 38. He will be arrested, falsely tried and condemned, beaten and brutalized, publicly rejected and assailed, flogged, mocked, paraded as a criminal through Jerusalem up to Calvary. There he will be stripped and hung by huge spikes to a wooden cross where he will be ridiculed. He will be enveloped with darkness and experience the divine wrath of God against the sins of men. He will die as a man for man and as God's righteous self-payment for the sins of men. Yet even as the hour draws near and Jesus knows the time, where can he be found? He is taking full advantage of the opportunity and the circumstances and the conditions to testify daily in the temple, to bring the gospel to the common people. And where is he 
in the evening at night. He is praying at the Mount of Olives, no doubt in the Garden of Gethsemane, that place where he was accustomed to going, that place that Judas, when he wanted to betray Jesus, knew where he would be found. So as these signs are beginning to happen around us, we are not to be afraid of what is coming. We are not to try to hide or run. We are not to be weighed down or try to numb ourselves. We are to be fully given over to Jesus, fully relying on the power, wisdom, and word of Jesus, watching and praying that we might be using the circumstances, the time, and the conditions to bring as many people as possible to Jesus Christ. In these last days, Jesus wants us to be divine opportunists, and He is our example. Jesus didn't run and hide as His hour of crucifixion was approaching. He was with the people sharing the good news. So as these signs are beginning to happen around us, we are not to fear but be fully given over to Jesus, relying on His power, wisdom, and Word. We are to be watching and praying that we might be using the circumstances around us to bring as many people as possible to Jesus Christ. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at Jesus and the new covenant as we continue our Jesus Magnified study in the Gospel of Luke with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.